Hello, you wonderful people, and welcome to episode number 12 of the Being Sapien podcast. My guest today is none other than David Burtwistle. David is best known for featuring on Netflix's Too Hot to Handle reality TV show, but for me, he's a guy that I've known for a fair few years um, as a, a coach, a personal trainer, someone who's now sort of transferred his whole business from in-person to online coaching. So using his leverage from going on a show like Too Hot to Handle, which was a huge success, to now building a business called Endeavor Life, which is all about sort of online coaching through health and fitness. Um, The conversation that we had was about, you know, people going on reality TV shows and not really knowing what to do once they come out of it. You know, they might not have the skill set to build a business or, you know, might not even have the ability to know where to navigate yourself afterwards. Um, So the conversation was really based around this with David and sort of what he's done post-show and post-gaining an incredibly large following on social media. David's also huge on sort of personal growth and mindset as well. Um, So a lot of the stuff we cover in here, uh, all of you listening to this can take little nuggets of, of tips, tricks and ways to sort of better your life as well. Um, a real good conversation. He's a solid bloke. And um, yeah, dig straight in to episode number 12. Hello, you wonderful people. Episode number 12 of the Being Sapien podcast, and I'm joined here today by Mr. David Burtwistle. How are we, mate? What's up, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you're very welcome, mate. It's a pleasure to have you on. Um, I mean, it's also a pleasure to have you in London, mate, because I know you've been jet-setting for the past however many months. (laughs) (laughs) The most impulsive decision in my life, but definitely was well worth it. Yeah, I mean, we'll get onto that. We'll get onto that. I know you've uh, you had a lot of learning curves and learning experiences from it, um, as 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 I can imagine. Uh, making an impulsive decision to go to Dubai for four or five months is uh, <laughs> is solid, but needs must, mate. Needs must. Um, so, a little bit of uh, information to the listeners about you, who you are, what you do, where you come from. Um, take it away. All right, squad. So, uh, yeah, David Burtwistle is the name. Been living in London for a long time, but. Um, I mean, I don't know, Lee and I met each other through the London fitness industry. Um, you know, I work as a coach, have done for like over a decade. And uh, I suppose most people, if you guys do know who I am, is probably because I was on a Netflix show called Too Hot to Handle. And um, off the back of that, I've kind of utilised my um, people's awareness of me to try and, you know, help change lives and and give people the opportunity to to grow physically and and from a nutritional perspective as well uh so i run a company called endeavor life which is a a health and fitness online coaching platform um which we use to help people from all over the world get fit get strong get healthy and also change their relationship with food so that's the the main thing that i do but you know i have fingers in many different pies and uh we've got Uh, some presenting stuff that I do for a new show called On Point, which is a uh, autom- automotive-centric men's kind of lifestyle show, uh, which is really, really excited about getting that off the ground this year. Um, nice. And, yeah, and then we, well, we never know what else is going to happen. I work with Helios Fitness Retreats. We do fitness retreats, I suppose. Is the, <laughs> you know, we take people on holiday and we do yoga and fitness and travel with them, which is really cool. Uh, it gives me opportunity to meet people that, you know, are into those kind of things because it's basically what I do whenever I go on holiday anyway. So it all kind of exactly. works out really. Nice, really nice. Uh, fitness wise, have you always been in the fitness industry? Was it always something that you sort of growing up have always kind of seen yourself stemming into or? Um, no, not from a young age. It was, it was just a natural progression. Like I played rugby, um, as a teenager, I played a lot of rugby and then I was in the London Wasps Academy. I played for England when I was like 16. And then um, just as a byproduct of being in that professional environment, I managed to learn a lot from the coaches, from the physios, from um, you know the other people there. And that gave me a real kind of high level of expectation upon myself. And then... Um, Unfortunately, I, I had a ACL injury, so I had to go through a whole knee rehabilitation 
uh, post-op as well. So I had like a hamstring graft, uh, whereas they take like part of the tendon of your hamstring, mm. use it to create a new ligament in your knee. I, which is I, had, I had the same thing, you know, I snapped my ACL oh, and uh, I, had a, I had an allograft instead of a hamstring. So oh, I, had a dead, yeah. I had a dead person's ACL put in my knee. <laughs> it's mental. <laughs> Crazy, yeah. right? Um, but just from like spending a lot of time with the physios and going through that rehabilitation process, I just kind of really got interested in human performance. And then I went to uni and did a strength and conditioning degree, which was kind of a, a sensible progression. Um, and then not off the back of that, just started working with, with people. Because I mean, if you want to go, right. So you say you do like an SNC qualification, then the route is either you go professional sport or you go general population. Right. Yeah. But the professional sport route is you kind of expected to work for like a year at least, if not two years without really getting paid and like giving up mm. your weekends and giving up your, your, your evenings and just like super antisocial stuff. And it just didn't seem like a really smart career choice to, to go down that route. So I went into the kind of private gen pop um, sector instead. And that has proved to be a lot more lucrative mm. and it's got a lot more potential for expansion, I believe. And they, they cross yeah. over a lot, you know, it's, you know, strength and conditioning is, is now a massive part of gen pop training. Um, as much as it can be, it's definitely becoming more normalized. Um, yeah, for sure. Why so, do you yeah. think that I, I've always been, dumbfounded by the fact that like if you're an snc coach at like a high level sports team like the pay is not great and what they expect from you as an snc coach obviously your knowledge as snc coach when you're working with athletes realistically should far outweigh knowledge if you're working with gem pop in an ideal world because you're moving with you're, you're you're with people that are at like the top of the top right why do you think there's just no sort of like focus on value when it comes to snc coaches in, in sport it's a really good question. I, I think that it in some sports it's really valued. In American football, for example, um, mm. the top SNC coaches that work at NFL teams get paid loads of money. Um, but that's what I don't know how many teams there are, but it's it's not that many, right? So there's mm. really only going to be a few coaches that actually get paid good money from that. In a lot of other sports, um, it's just not really been a priority. Uh, I think the yeah. tech component of it and traditional fitness training within those sports has been the like the, the initial focus and almost it's like a new age way of thinking with a lot of SNC. They're kind of coming in and to specific sports and changing the way that the fitness is run in those sports. And so you kind of have to then build trust and build credibility and build a reliance upon your way of thinking, which can often seem a little bit um different and sometimes change does take time to mm. to come into effect um so it's partly that and then in the sports that there is uh reliance on snc like rugby here in the uk there's not that much money in rugby it's mm. not i mean it's a prevalent sport in the united kingdom but it is not our kind of number one sport football is obviously the number one yeah. sport in the uk so it's just I think that it's just a combination of all those various different factors, to be honest. And um, yeah, like SNC coaches should be at the forefront of fitness and strength training um, if you're working with elite athletes, because obviously the tolerances of those athletes is um, like they've got a lot more capacity, but they might be working right up to the limit of themselves. And so preventing yeah. injury becomes super important and trying to get little 1% gains everywhere exactly, that they yeah. can becomes really really important um so the knowledge of the individual that's doing that programming and doing that coaching should be much higher um yeah but exactly the pay often <laughs> it just doesn't make it does it does it it doesn't correlate and like even in even in you know I've, I've seen numbers and i've seen statistics from like uh like top top i'm talking like premier league clubs like man city chelsea like clubs that have millions if not billions in the bank you know some of their players are getting paid 100 200k a week yeah. but you know you can't warrant paying the snc coach top snc coach that's looking after that they should probably on you know 
they should probably earn a fair decent wage. I'm talking like six figures at least, and they're just not. So it's, it's, it just baffles. I feel like it's becoming more of a priority. I do see it. You know, the, the training facilities that these top clubs have now are like incredible. But I just feel like there needs to be a more of a push to really allow the coach to feel valued as opposed to just being like a workhorse. Yeah, I agree with you. Plus, uh, on the flip side, though, working as a, as a, a PT, if you have a large audience, then you can, you know, potentially make a lot of money because you're reaching mm. so many people directly. So there's, we're in a different age now. We've got, you know, Agreed. the digital era of fitness, like we're into yeah. the digital era. And it's not just the companies like Peloton, which are actually crushing it, but it's certain individuals which have very large audiences um, which are monetizing them through their skills and, and knowledge in fitness as yeah. well. So there's just, it's just new. It's just completely different to how it was even 10 years ago. So exactly. Let's, I think let's, let's delve into that. Cause I'm, I'm obviously, I'm, I don't know if you know, I'm part of something now that, you know, we're building an online platform. I'm working quite closely with a company called classifier. Um, and we've essentially built a platform for trainers, uh, external trainers to come on board and sort of build their online business, whether that be class-based or whether that be sort of online coaching. Um, when did it feel like the right time for you to push the online work? When did you really see sort of see value in it? I first started doing it about five years ago, six years ago. Um, and it was really new then. Like five or six years ago, there wasn't really many online coaches. We saw a couple, but not very many. Um, and it just, to me, the thing that drew me to it was, one, I can grow wider than my geographical location, right? So like traditional people, obviously you're in the gym. So I was like, right, let's go. I can, I can reach more and more people. That was the first thing. The second thing was it gave me a sense of freedom uh, being that, again, I didn't have to be geographically fixed. I think that's something a lot of people over the past year have also seen the benefits of. They haven't had to go into offices or gyms or whatever, and, and they've been able to work from home, and that home could have been anywhere. So that's something that I've always kind of like tried to create for myself as well. So it was those two things initially which, which really drew me to it. And so I started to create um my online coaching business and it's it, it's been a journey for sure because it's not the same it, it's not the same set of skills that you require to be a good class instructor it's not the same set of skills that you require to be a good technical face-to-face -face strength coach there's different things that you need to be good at in order to make it successful um and that's been a bit of a journey to kind of understand what they are because even within the online coaching space there's multiple different offerings that you might have you might have like personal online coaching which is what the primary thing that i do with my company um we basically do personal training but through online right so everything's bespoke but then you've got group online stuff where it's kind of generic programming and it's less one-to-one -one time and then you just have like completely unspecific programs that people sell and they might be really cheap just off the shelf bought 20 pound 30 pound pdfs yeah exactly and there's no interaction there's no nothing and there's like a whole range of it and then that's just with the kind of coaching that i might do but then you've got peloton and then you've got other digital spaces and then you've got um classes that are running on youtube and, and they're like live workouts that you can follow there's just so much variety out there but um I think like it's really just about trying to find the thing that really resonates with you and what you want to try and get mm. out of it. Because, you know, in the time that I've been doing it, there's been different ways I've interacted with my clients. And for a period of time, I kind of scaled back my personal engagement with them. And, um, and then like within a couple of months, I realized I wasn't enjoying it. I was like, I don't feel the connection. And mm. for me, as a coach that's one of the most important things like the most rewarding component of being a coach for me is seeing people change is seeing their results is is hearing their journey and hearing their confidence change and hearing the byproducts of their training in their life and that's yeah. the thing i really got personal enjoyment out of and so after a couple of months i like stepped step step right back in and and changed how we were running our 
uh, kind of engagement with the clients so that, you know, myself and the other coaches felt more sense of connection. But it's, it is, it's a journey for everyone to understand. For sure. Yeah, and as, as you said, there's so much. There's so much to offer. There's so many, so many different facets of online coaching out there. I, even with my own and and with the sort of stuff that I'm doing, it's all about for me each coach recognizing what clientele they want to appeal to. Because you can't. I this is my personal opinion. It might be wrong. I don't feel like as an online coach, you can, you know, have this whole wide offering where you are sports performance, where you are weight loss, fat loss, where you are rehabilitation, where you are like, don't be like a jack of all trades. I feel like with online coaching, have that sort of brand about yourself where you're like, okay, David is an online coach and he's fucking fantastic at weight loss. I know he's the man to go to when it comes to weight loss. You know, someone else might be more so for mixed modality performance training. You go to them, you know, the likes of like Ollie Marshall, for example. Um, so figuring out as an online coach where you sit and what your target audience is, because, you know, your reach now is, as you said, you, you now appeal to millions of people. You can have, a, you can have a, a client in America, you can have a client in Australia, different ends of the, of the globe completely. You're not going to be without a pool of clients if you just like taper down to your exact offering, you know. Yes, that's really important. I think that one of the biggest challenges that every PT, anyone that works in the fitness industry faces is that they're not trained in business, right? Mm -hmm. We're not trained in business. We are trained in fitness. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, that might seem pretty obvious, but it's a fact that gets really overlooked. And especially when coaches try and set up their own thing, um or like go out and and, and step away from a pre-existing business and, and do it themselves they forget they haven't they're not really educated in how to run a business and uh one of the first and most important things is to understand what your target market is and then what your brand is going to be those two things are really important it's like what do you want people to know you for um as a coach like like you said, you've got to be specific. And in fact, the more specific that you can be and the more like really like nailing that down, the more successful you're going to be. Even if you do do all of those little things and that's actually something that I've always found was quite challenging because I'm like, I can, I know loads of different things, but like what do you want to be known for? That's mm. a really important thing. So yeah, like let's say Ollie Marshall and they do group, um, functional fitness effectively like they're really known for that kind of stuff um ollie obviously knows this shit when it comes to nutrition as well because he's shredded all the time and he's in great shape right so but people wouldn't necessarily know him for that yeah they might go to him for for the functional fitness stuff and then he just utilizes other areas of his knowledge to make sure they get the best overall thing this is exactly what I do. So like I talk a lot about nutrition um, and kind of fundamental training. Then once someone comes in, it's like, what's the right thing for that client that I'm personally going to be working with? Um, and then you can utilize all your skills that you've accumulated um, and give them a really holistic approach to their fitness. But you need to get someone to trust you initially. And that comes from them buying into what you are selling and yeah. buying you as a person and being really specific with it. Um, because if you want to work with people that have got injuries and you want to be a rehabilitation coach, then it's not really worth you talking about all different areas of fitness. It makes mm. much more sense to just talk about rehabilitation. And then once someone comes in and you rehabilitate them, you go, cool, well, now you're pain-free and you're moving well. Let's get you onto a strength program. And then you utilize your knowledge of strength. They haven't come to you for that. Yeah, exactly. Up that trust, and then it, you can go on to the next thing. Yeah. So that's uh that's a really important first step is getting real, real clear on what it is you want to do and and who you want to work with, and uh, and then basically show everyone that you can work with them. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's basically. And yeah, and, and show to show the social proof, and therefore your your business then becomes bulletproof. Essentially, you just want to then teach yourself and learn from others of how to scale it because you know online businesses are incredibly scalable um, and now more so than ever which is yeah. a really interesting thing 
Um, so let's talk about uh, the show for you, because the show for you, I think, was something that catapulted you into a, a probably a, a place where you were, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say uncomfortable, but you were put into a position where you had this like newfound following and you know, people knew you from the guy on the TV. They didn't know you necessarily like I knew you previously as like David Burtwist with the personal trainer. What was the transition like for you as, as, as a person? Uh, well, the, the past like years been pretty crazy for everyone, but then with this added component of, the, of, of two octanal coming out at the start of lockdown made it even more complicated for me. Um, it's been interesting because obviously... Before the show, anyone that knew me would have probably found me through social media and that was all centered around fitness. And I was like, I am still being in the fitness community within London. And that's very much like what my personal brand had been. And yeah. then, then after that, most people that knew me as just the guy that was on Too Hot to Handle. And so this comes back to what we were just saying about brand. Um I then had to, and I've been doing this now the whole time since then, is developing trust and credibility and, and awareness of my skills as a coach and therefore changing people's perception of who I am through the content that I put out on social media. So that's that's a journey because I, you know, at the start, they don't they're not gonna believe me. <laughs> like with what yeah. I say. Yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like go after TV and then I'm like talking to them about their nutrition or I'm talking on social media about training or whatever. And they're not going to trust me because that's not the brand awareness that they have of me. That's not the thing that they know me for. So yeah, yeah it's been a, a consistent commitment to putting out educational informative content around nutrition training so that, the way people see me is not just as a personality or someone that they've seen on telly, but that see me as someone who actually knows what I'm doing and is able to get really good results for people. And that's a, I mean, that's a challenge in itself because you know, there's you know, the amount of reality TV shows that have been on over the last sort of 10 years. You know, and then people coming off that with this newfound following as cliche as it is when it's, it's also the truth. A lot of people then will set up a business or like they'll start something. If it's in fitness, they might go down the route of like selling their fitness plan. And I think there's probably there probably has been a bit of bad rap about it, you know, like people just getting this newfound following and then all of a sudden thinking that they can, you know, capitalize off it. What has been the biggest challenges for you to, you know, is it is it for you just consistency with content? Is it for you just you know showing people, look, I am more than just this person that's on too hot hand. That's definitely the. I think one of the main challenges is definitely changing people's perception and building that trust and credibility. Um, but that's that's an ongoing thing that, that you have to do as a coach anyway. You have to put all that content out. Mm. Um, I think that one thing for me has been that. And this will happen to other people is that you'll get um, opportunities presented to you that are not the right opportunity for you to take up, right? And they're actually mm. just distractions from what you're trying to achieve. And loads of those distractions have been presented to me over the past year. Um, but it's knowing and having a real clear idea of what you want to achieve and where you want to get to so that when things come up, you don't just jump at every opportunity that's actually a distraction you can say no and you can confidently say no because yeah. it's not actually going to be the thing that moves you forwards um and so that's definitely something but you know with people that go on reality shows they it's quite interesting because when you get loads of awareness um from going on a show then there's lots of people that want to capitalize off that as well right managers agents clubs you know whatever brands they want to work with you because you have this audience and so there's a financial incentive to to do that um and so yeah like people do those shows get an audience and they launch a brand because it makes business sense to do that and yeah. it all just comes down to resources i was actually thinking about this earlier because i thought this might kind of come up and 
when it comes to running a business and being successful, really, it's about having resources in order to do that. And the truth is that if you don't have resources, and at the moment that resource is generally money, um, it makes it really, really difficult. Like getting from like no pounds to having a thousand pounds in your bank account takes a long time. But once you've got a thousand pounds in your bank account, it's easier to then get to like 10,000, right? That that kind of jump, the 10X from thousand to 10,000 is easier than getting from zero to a thousand. Because mm-hmm. once you have money, you can then start expanding and you can pull people in to help you and you can employ people and you can spend money on marketing and you can spend money on branding and you can spend money on content creation and you can start collaborating with people once you have that money and then you can which you know people if they've done some sort of reality show they've got some money off the back of it um and often they'll get quick money from brand collaborations and nightclub appearances and all that kind of stuff and then you partner it with awareness which is what they also have it gives you a really good opportunity to then build on that and take it into the next thing and leverage yeah and leverage both of those things and that's how how important is having integrity then to you whereby you know you've now got this larger audience larger following are you someone i mean i personally haven't seen it myself but would you say you're someone that brands come to offer you a sum and you're like yeah cool yeah cool because it seems like there's a lot of people that you know have come off the back of reality tv shows and they're promoting you know left right and chelsea when it kind of doesn't feel like it though like like resonates with them or doesn't like align with what they're doing do you know what i mean yeah 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 and it's, it's now i can see it from both sides right because exactly cause yeah um yeah i mean so that, you know, again like if someone's done a reality show maybe they don't actually have a particularly they don't really have much to lose right let's say that, that a lot of them haven't been particularly successful pre going on the show and so they don't necessarily have a set of skills you and i are coaches we've learned how to be coaches and you know so that's why i'm still running business it's the same business that i was running before i went on to what's handle it's the same one i'm running now like it's it's exactly the same so have a set of skills but a lot of these guys and girls they haven't necessarily got a set of skills and Mm. so or not really ones that you can like monetize easily so when brands come along and they're like we're going to give you two grand or three grand for this post they're like that would have taken me a month to make that money before I went on the show. So I'm yeah. going to do it. So snap like, it there's nothing wrong with this brand. Like hopefully a lot of the time there's nothing wrong with the brand. And they're like, it's just an advert. And so although it doesn't initially seem like the right thing, I can now see why they do it. I personally mm. don't do it very often. I'm really selective about the brands that I work with for exactly the reason you just brought up integrity. Mm. It's one of my core values as a human and if I put my name to something, I want to believe in that thing. And yeah. uh, that's, it, it's, it's difficult because you're like, okay, well, if brands advertise on ITV, right? So <laughs> I'm going to compare it to TV, right? So ITV makes shows, they put out content. Creators or personalities on Instagram make content and put out content. ITV get paid by brands to advertise on ITV between their content pieces. Individuals get paid by brands to advertise between their content pieces on their channel. But you see like some questionable product being advertised on TV and you don't complain to ITV that they're advertising something like Boombod or whatever other bollocks there is. But people complain to the person whose Instagram profile it is. But it's actually exactly the same. Yeah, it's uh, really but, interesting. But because it's a brand ITV and then a person, we just go, this is a personal thing, therefore they should have more integrity mm. with what they say. But maybe if they just aligned a little bit smarter, like the caption maybe is not like, hey, I've been recently using Boombod for the past week and I've lost 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, you should do it. Like, <laughs> don't do that. If you just go some other way, then it might have a little bit more integrity, but... There's, you know, ways yeah. to do it, but it's, it's quite interesting. I, I find it really interesting. I, I actually, I understand it. And the, how you, you talking about, 
you have an a skill set or you know something that you were working on previously to going onto the show and then obviously you practicing the same thing now it makes total sense where people then come out of a reality TV show who don't really have that anything to fall back on and you know, get stuck down a rabbit hole of this because like it is now what they do. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting one. It's, it's I mean, something that we, we could probably discuss for, for a while and there'll be different facets of it that we could go down. Mm. Um, but it's a really interesting one. I mean, social, social media, I've said so many times, can be the devil and it can be the angel, you know, like you can do so much with it. There's there's so many good values of social media, um, but there's also you know, so many poisonous and toxic values of social media. I think it's just knowing where you sort of sit with it as a, as a person, if you do have a large audience, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah, there's, yeah, and look, it depends as well, because the bigger your audience gets, the more variety in their experiences and life and situation mm. and economic status and religious status and political beliefs, all of these things start to diversify a lot as you get a bigger audience. So, mm. you know, even if you only, if you do something, you only piss off 1% of your audience, you might, that might be a rip, like a lot of people. Might be a lot, yeah. So, yeah. It's, it does get tricky and trickier because you can't please everyone. You can't, yeah. And you're, you're, you're very right beside that. Um, so how do you feel, you made, you made this decision to you know, pack, chart up shop in, in, in London and you know, off to Dubai in, end, was it December? It was like the 2nd of January. 2nd of January. So right, so right at the start of the year, you decided to sort of pack up shop. Um, what are the main reasons for that? Why did you decide to do that? And how have you sort of grown as an individual? Oh, cool question, mate. Uh, so why did I do it? Well, last year was really horrible for most of us in the UK, going through in and out of lockdowns and stuff. And um, coming off New Year's, like basically watching TV and Boris just comes on and the numbers are shooting up through the roof. And Boris just going, oh yeah, by the way, guys, we're gonna go in, we are gonna go into another lockdown in a couple of days. And and he and I remember it specifically because he didn't say we're gonna go in and then kind of come out at this point. He just went, we're going into a lockdown. Yeah, no end point. Yeah. No end point. And as someone who's in my position who runs an online business, like I can effectively work from anywhere in the world and still do my job. But there's certain things which help me do my job better. And it's things like being able to talk at events, uh, going to the gym and creating content around that. It's the freedom of doing all of these things, which allow me to be better at my job. And I knew that as soon as we're going into a lockdown, I'm not going to be able to do any of those things. Creating content around fitness for my worldwide audience gets much more difficult. Um, and plus, I wanted to be able to get speaking events and you can't do that in the UK. So I was like, right, well, I'm going to go to Dubai. That's going to give me an opportunity to do it. Um, and so, yeah, I decided very impulsively packed up and went the next day. Um, it's it's uh, how I kind of likened it is you can write an essay on a typewriter, but it's much more efficient to do it on a MacBook Pro. And that is the Smart. situation. <laughs> I, I could, you know, I could have got by, stayed in the UK and tried to make the best of it but it wouldn't have been a very smart decision. So buy a MacBook Pro, you don't buy a typewriter. Um, so yeah, that was, the, that was the main kind of decision behind it. Plus I, I fucking hated last year. Like it was challenging from like a mental health perspective for me. Yeah. And I was like, I'm in a position where I can make a decision to go and do something about this. So I'm going to do it as well. So it was multifaceted really. Um, do you feel um, do you feel more in tune with your mental health and more sort of like in touch with it because of the last year? It's been more than a year that I've personally been engaging with my mental health and, and how I feel and emotional intelligence and things like that. Um, but I've definitely been aware of it last year. It's been it was heightened a lot more. Like the downs became more more obvious, and there was like. A, a moment which I remember, which is exactly where I'm stood right now in my flat. We, I basically turned this into like a kind of gym space when we we're in the first lockdown. And uh, it was just super weird because on social, on online, like my world was just exploding and I, like all of this is crazy tension, but then you go outside and you're dead. It was empty because London, mm. was, everyone was in lockdown. 
I was like in the middle of a workout, stood right here and just gave up in the middle of it and led on the floor for like an hour and just stared at the ceiling and was like, I'm fucking down like this is shit. Um, I think I, I think I actually remember. I'm sure, I think you had a post about it or a story about it. I actually remember this quite vividly, where you turned around and said, "Look, like from the outside, you know, it might look like things are going swimmingly, and I've got this uh, newfound success at X, Y, Z. But you know, on the inside, you know, in yeah. your in your when, when you walk through your flat door, things are things are different. Exactly, exactly. So I was I was very much aware of it, um, and then. Yeah, going to Dubai, I, I, it was, it's, it's just a journey. Everything's a matter of perspective. All of our lives, we go through life and we're constantly learning and, and looking at things through our own experiences and our own lenses of life and filters of life. And those filters are based on our own experiences and beliefs and what we've been taught and, and everything we've been through. We filter all the information and everything that we see through those lenses. And so having been to Dubai and, Coming back into London, there's definitely like things that I see that I really enjoyed about being there and also things that I enjoy about being here. And, um, you know, now I'm like looking at what I can do next and how has it kind of changed? Well, there's a certain type of person that is generally in Dubai. They're usually pretty driven, pretty successful, generally have money, like go-getters and that was something that really inspired me i wanted to be around those kind of people and it made me think like okay i need to stop thinking like i'm in my 20s i need to start thinking like i'm a man that's going to be you know hopefully having a kid some at some point you know hopefully i'm going to get a wife at some point like i need to start thinking bigger like really trying to like develop things and in london and in the fitness industry especially that is pretty rare to kind of come across other people that have that experience or that mindset or the ability to do that. And um, so that's definitely been something I've kind of come back with this new drive of like, Hey, what do I want my next five years to be? And Mm. how am I going to go about achieving that? And who do I need to talk to and how do I need to make it happen? And all those kind of motivational questions and, and, business questions as well so that's definitely something that has that has certainly changed um have you have you been someone that typically would set themselves like a one year three year five year goal or are you someone that more so you know i i personally i i never have but i have this saying or i I live by this sort of statement where i always trust my future self so i trust that my future self will make sure that i, I make a success of myself and I, I will do something like good and 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 what i deem as successful isn't necessarily money in the bank it could be more time more freedom to to work wherever i want whatever it is but i've always had this like innate trust in myself that i'll make it work how how do you go about that's cool man i like that a lot um well, I have my personal definition of success written on the wall in my bedroom. Because um, <laughs> I like that? to think about it one day. And it's um, it's really quite varied, actually. So it's like the first two things, basically, is to be healthy and happy, right? To be healthy and happy, that's, that's really important. And then uh, there was an arbitrary to make like £100,000 a year. Um, really, it's not necessarily that if I hit 99,000 that I'd be unsuccessful. It's really just a a metaphor for you need to have enough money to be comfortable and stable and not worry about money. Um, That was that. But then time flexible was something as well. Um, And I also want to kind of travel with my partner. Um, That's something I wanted to do. But also something was to be respected by my peers to, uh, you know, to be successful within my industry, to have people, you know, respect me as a coach. And that's not necessarily something you can quantify as such, but I think it comes from um, obviously having enough knowledge and then being able to display that knowledge. And, you know, you get, you get that sense of respect from just how people talk to you and engage with you and, you know, the kind of situations you're in. So, that's a I think that's more so a personal feeling you know you if you personally feel like as you said the people around you are talking to you with a level of respect and they you know 
that you might hear from other people. Oh, so-and-so spoke about David, and you know, he's spoken really highly of you, X, Y, Z. You know, that's when you'll get that personal feeling of like, oh, that I feel like I'm quite a success in, in this role. You know, you're never, as you said, it's not, you're never going to be able to quantify that feeling. There's no awards in the fitness industry for like top trainer of the year or anything. <laughs> 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 you imagine and uh best trainer of the year in 2020 goes to <laughs> i mean i think men's health do something but i'm not exactly sure it's like a properly qualified camp yeah no it's, it's, it's definitely not um how would how would you for for the people listening and for people that want to sort of like you know understand a little bit more about mindset because i'm i'm huge on mindset and applying yourself in the right way i've always kind of said you know failures don't exist no lessons um i learned from everything that i don't feel like it's gone my way um what would you say to people uh, when it comes from mindset and application of a, a, a solid positive mindset i i have my mindset and the way that I approach life, I believe is a, is a good way of doing it, right? There's going to be different ways for other people to do it. And it will depend a lot on your personality as to what's the best approach for you. But I personally feel like I've got a couple of sayings. One of them is, if you never try, you'll never know. If you never fail, you'll never grow. Uh, it's kind of a saying that I live by and it's, it's you know, similar to what you just said. Like, you've just got to go for it. First and foremost, just go for it. Just try it. Just just fucking mm. give it a go. Because if you if you fail, it doesn't really matter. Like, you'll learn something from it. So you'll win anyway. Yeah. Um, but if you never try, you'll never know if you actually were able to do it in the first place. And you're still in the exact same position as if you failed. So just give it a go. And then... Um, like your, your growth comes from your failures. Like your success is not where you grow. You grow from needing to, to improve. Like we as human beings, we, we change when we're forced to. You know, in training, it's progressive overload. You have to find your limit and constantly push your limit in order to get better at whatever it is that you do. If you don't, you won't improve. That's just the, the nature of how we how we improve as people. Um, you know how you get smarter is by doing stuff you can't do and then learning something new. And it's mm. how you get fitter, and it's how you get stronger, and it's how you get more successful. It's like you just have to to give it a go, and then if you fail, you'll learn from it. Um, but if you don't try, you're, you're never going to know. So that's definitely something which I personally, you know, it, it's part of what I believe. The other thing is that. And you'll see it if anyone look, it looks on my social, almost every post I put a hashtag actions reflect priorities at the bottom of it, especially if I'm talking about mindset or achievement or anything like that. Because for me, people can talk a lot, like you can say loads of things, but what you do is a lot more important than what you say. So the actions that you take as an individual reflect the priorities that you have as an individual. So Really, it just comes down to, does it matter to you? And if it matters, you'll fucking do it. And that's, <laughs> for me, it's as simple as that. Like, if you want something, go and make it happen. Don't talk about it. Just get on with it and just go and get it done. And yeah. there's a lot of, like, you know, sensitivity and pussyfooting around the situation and having, like, uh, you know, figuring out how we feel about everything all the time. And there is definitely validity in being aware of your emotional intelligence and your, your, your feelings and all of that is very valid, very, very valid. But there's also a large component of shut the fuck up and get it done. Right. Mm. That is yeah. my belief is like, go and like, you've just got to get your head down and make it happen because thinking about stuff doesn't make it happen. Doing it makes it happen. So yeah. that's where, you know, if you want to, make something happen if you want something you have to go okay i want that thing that's the first step first step is knowing what you want first thing clarity on the goal that you want to achieve or the thing you want to get or the task you want to do or whatever it is you need to know what it is then you've got to figure out how you're going to do it dead simple break it down into manageable steps and then you do it mm. like it's not complicated especially now because almost everything's written on the internet information is freely available and so not knowing how is it's 
it's a bit of a cop out nowadays because you can pretty much learn anything you want. You just mm. got to put the time exactly. into it. But it's delayed gratification. You have to have patience and belief and be able to delay the gratification of the thing that you're trying to achieve. And that's the tricky thing because life's so easy for, for a lot of people like Amazon Prime, Instagram, like Deliveroo. You can basically get everything you want on demand right now. Netflix, like we don't even have to watch adverts anymore. And so <laughs> like, there's no delay in our gratification. Yeah. Everything's instantaneous, which, which is a bad thing for, for your success as an individual because anything worth having, you have to work to get it, right? Yeah. You can't go from being a janitor to a CEO in a day. You can't. You have to go through the process. You have to serve your time. You can't, you know, uh, uh, develop a business overnight because you're not going to know the skills. You have to learn the skills. You can't get your university degree in a day. You have to go and do three or four years at university and learn all that stuff. And you're not going to get the body that you want from going to the gym for one day and eating a salad. It doesn't happen. Everything that's worth having, relationships is another thing. They take time and you have to invest yeah. in them and you have to risk something and you have to be worth that. You have to be willing to wait. You have to be willing to wait to get that success in the long term. Because if you just want it, like I want to do something and get success, do something and get success. It's not how life works really. So I think there's a lot of like people that are probably not used to the whole delayed gratification thing and they just get instantaneous gratification and, yeah, I agree with that. I, th I think massively there's this, especially nowadays, more so than ever. Um, I've seen recently there's a lot of talk about sort of, you know, people wanting to work a lot smarter nowadays and not working as hard. And I'm like, hold on a minute. Like, trust me, hard work is warranted in every single facet of your life. You need to put in the hard work. Hard work doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to work 60 hour weeks. Hard work means that whatever you're working at, you're doing it in an efficient manner that you're getting like that step closer to whatever you was you wanting to achieve. How important is a why for you? Because there's, it could be cliche, it could, it, it could not be, it could, they could have a real, meaning behind it i personally don't have a huge why i'd say that my the reason why i do things um and the reason why i'm sort of going down the route i'm going with my career is just to kind of like probably just as small as making my parents proud of me you know it's not huge but like some people have like a huge why how, how important is that to you i ask clients that question new clients that come on I ask them what their goals are and I ask them why they want to achieve that goal. Because it, it it basically, you understand someone's motivation a little bit more when you know. You get want. deeper. You get a little bit deeper, yeah. Um, I don't have like a necessarily a why for everything I do because I have like quite a variety of things that I do. But the, the, the parent thing was definitely one thing that inspired me. Um, you know, wanting to make my parents proud was something that inspired me with my second degree because I wanted to just prove to them and prove to myself that um, I can I can I can apply myself intellectually. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but I think a lot of it, and it happens to me in training a lot, is I it circles back to when I was you know the conversation we talked about rugby at the start, like when I was playing rugby it was about achievement and, and working to your limit, but, you know, pushing yourself and, and being the best that you can be. And now, you know, I came out of that environment and I've not really ever been in that sort of professional environment since. And so you have to put yourself through it. And so I'm, you know, when I'm training, when I'm doing anything, it's, it's having the integrity to always hold yourself to that standard. And I think for me, it's, I just want to, I want to believe that I can do anything that I put my mind to. That's mm. what it is. So if it's, uh, you know, a workout, if it's a run, if it's a business thing, if whatever it is, for me, it's just a case of you can do anything you put your mind to. Don't let yourself down. If you want to be successful, if you want to achieve, you, you can't be weak. You have to be driven and you can't be the weak link in the chain. You know, if you want to make something happen, you've got to make it happen. It comes down to you and it's holding yourself 
to a certain standard and that standard's got to be your best. And I, I think it's from my parents. Like they always said to me, um, we don't, we don't care if you don't win. We just want you to do your best. Just do your best. And this is like, sometimes that's really valid because in certain situations you can't control what other people are doing. Um, you can only really control your own performance as long as you're disconnected from someone else. But then there's certain times where you go, right, I just need to win this, like whatever it is. And that's if it comes down to like a head-to-head thing. And if you can yeah. directly impact someone else. But like in the fitness competitions that we've, we've competed in, like you can't affect someone else. You can only affect yourself. And so that's where it's like, I can't be the weak link. And so mm. if I lose, but I've done everything that I can, then I still win in my head. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, no, I, I, I massively agree with that. And I think that's probably one, one thing that everyone could take away from this is that whatever it is, this comes back to like wanting to potentially like, you know, move jobs, get, uh, start, start a business, whatever it is that your like goal is in, in life, it all comes down to, okay, like if you personally can have a word with yourself at the end of it and be like, I have genuinely put all into this. You know, my, my dad had a failed business. He went out and went out on his own and a year, 18 months later, I turned around and was like, do you know what? It's not for me, but he knew he did everything that he, he could to try and make it a success. You know, he, he's, he's not, he's fine now. He's not going over it. You know, he's not sitting back fucking smoking a cigar and wishing his life away. <laughs> he's just cracking on with work again. Um, unless you don't try it. And unless you don't just sit back and have that, that conversation with yourself where you're like, do you know what? Like, learn from it, put everything I could into it, but you know, this time just wasn't meant to be. That's that's a powerful mindset to get into rather than just sort of like, you know, sitting on the fact, well, if I started this might happen. If I started this might happen. Just just All right, crack on. if no what ifs, not no no maybes, no oh if this happened, if that happened, it doesn't matter. What has happened has happened. And if you're gonna make a decision, just make a decision, right? Like all you can do is make a decision with the information you've got at the time. That's it. Mm. And looking yeah. back and being like, oh, I wish I'd have done this. You're like, yeah, but you didn't know that. Therefore, you couldn't have. Therefore, that whole thought process is fucking redundant. And you're like, yeah. oh, like, what if this happens in the future? What if this happens in the future? What if this happens? You're like, it doesn't matter. You can't think yeah. about the infinite number of potential possibilities of what might happen. All you yeah. can do is go, right now, in this situation, this is the information that I've got, and I'm going to make the best decision that I can with this information. If I then learn something in the future, then I can change it and I can go, oh, well, now I've learned this new thing. I now am aware of that. This now becomes part of my decision-making process and I can make another decision. Like, that's just the way we've got to go through life. People get so overwhelmed and so, like, confused about all the potential that could happen, might happen, what if happens, but you just simplify it all right down and go, what information do I have? I'll make a decision based on that. Not, Not everything else. It's easier yeah, powerful powerful you need, you need you need to get into that mindset is it's incredibly powerful well dave that's an absolute solid conversation mate i hope everyone listening to this uh, has taken as much as i have from it uh, i'll be applying a few things i know that for sure and always a pleasure to chat um, and all the success with endeavor life cheers boss thanks so much for having me on episode number 12 being sapien over and out